I was putting all of these different things together and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with it. You know, I think that's the answer. The question that a lot of us with these gifts are ask is I've got these things happening to me, but what am I supposed to do about it? And I think, you know, everyone's gifts are different. Um, it took me a long time to realize that my gifts, my psychic gifts work differently than some of the teachers that I was learning from or other people that I was interacting with. So just because mine work different doesn't mean that it's wrong. to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class, lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being, and not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic. I'm Ashley Sondergaard. I'm your host. I'm V glad you're all here, everyone. Thanks for listening. We are on the intuition train. This is episode three on this topic of intuition. And friends, we're getting a little bit deeper today, a little bit more woo. (laughs) We're talking psychic abilities with guest psychic medium Natalie Fowler. So I met Natalie working with our guest from two weeks ago, astrologer Meredith McGowan, and I learned that Natalie and I have a mutual love, um, as well as Meredith, for the Palmer House, the haunted hotel in my hometown of Sox Center, Minnesota. Natalie actually does ghost experiences and paranormal investigations there, which is very cool. But what drew me to actually work with Natalie um, and her intuitive gifts is that she's pretty quote-unquote normal. (laughs) I truly thought of psychics as, you know, like like the Miss Cleo (laughs) archetype, the person just like so out there. And I just didn't believe any of it. I'm like, this isn't real. Yeah. But Natalie talks today about, you know, she didn't really believe it either. When she started to pick up on these gifts, I mean, she was questioning herself a lot. I mean, she used to be a lawyer. So (laughs) this was pretty far off from what her original career goals were. And I mean, that's kind of the theme that is showing up in in these episodes about intuition, these discussions. It's that, you know, we just think, oh, well, this can't be real. Why would we know or feel or see something without an explanation? I mean, when the truth is, is that we can we can do it, but it doesn't come without a little work. Um, so I'm going to just recap before we get to today's episode or interview recap a couple of the suggestions that we've gotten so far from our guests on how to cultivate intuition and tap into these gifts a bit more. On episode 37 with Meredith, she suggested that when you were going for a walk and a car is coming up behind you, that you like, you, I don't know what the best word, intuit. You, you intuit what the color is and keep track and see how much better you get at that practice over time. Um, it's also really helpful to observe where you get that information. Is it an inner knowing? Is it a voice? Um, is it a feeling? Where is that coming from? Meredith also suggested dream journaling and that our dreams, they just have so much to tell us about our conscious life. Um, so, I mean, that looks like, you know, perhaps having a journal next to your bed and just jotting down what you remember about your dreams in the morning. I've been doing this for a couple weeks and I'm I'm starting to see some trends. Scarily, my, the trends are have to do with anger and I'm like, okay, good to know. Very aware now and working on that. Again, trends, so helpful. And today, Natalie talks about a couple of really simple practices. I won't give them all away because she's going to break them down, but one is to go to the grocery store without a list. For the planners of the world like me, this sounds very challenging, but Natalie makes a pretty good case for it. So on this episode, we break down the different types of psychic and intuitive gifts. 
uh, essentially where you're getting the information. I refer to them as the Claire's and Natalie breaks them down a lot more, but just as a preview so you can perk up when she talks about this, they are clairvoyance, which is seeing, claircognizance, which is knowing, clairsentience, which is feeling, and clairaudience, which is hearing. There's also clairgustance and clairalience, which are taste and smell, but we don't get into those on the episode, future episode for sure. Um, so just knowing where and how you're receiving this information can make it feel you know, more validated, like you're not making it up. And again, we're all intuitive. It's just a matter of paying attention, of working on this. So Natalie Fowler is an author. She's a paranormal investigator and a practice practicing psychic medium. Um, she's published fiction and nonfiction books on the paranormal. And as a practicing medium, she helps clients get guidance from their spirit guides and their angels. She connects them with lost loved ones who have passed. Um, she's especially passionate about clearing houses, spaces, and she really has a gift for connecting with spirits who need their stories understood. Um, she gives a specific story on today's episode about that. It's just so fun, friends. Who knew? Who knew yoga would bring me here to this very cool world of intuitive gifts of psychics? And I'm here for it. Clearly you are too. <laughs> a heads up, after this episode, we'll have one more in the month um, next week. And then I'll be taking the month of September off to get a little ahead and really plan out the next months of the show. I'm so excited to see it growing, to hear what you like, what guests want, um, so who we should talk to. Keep that info coming because I want this to be the best ever. And if you like what you're hearing, hit the subscriber button, share an episode on your Instagram or with a friend, and most importantly, leave a review and a rating. It goes a long way. Okay, let's do this. Our interview with psychic medium Natalie Fowler. My name is Natalie Fowler, and I am an author, a freelance editor, and a practicing psychic medium. I'm also a paranormal investigator, and I used to be a lawyer, so it's even more random knowing that that's where I came from. What kind of law did you practice? So I practiced, uh, I was working at a small boutique firm. I loved law school. I loved the research and writing aspect of it. I assumed that I would like whatever career came out of it after. Uh, that was not the case. <laughs> um, I was not a very good attorney. Uh, I was much better with a stack of books and uh, a research project in front of me than actually going out and arguing on behalf of my clients. I know now that that's because I'm a huge empath and I was mm. empathing all of that emotion. Uh, so I cried a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it made it really hard to be an attorney not knowing that I was feeling everything from everyone all the time. So uh, I went into private practice just long enough to know that I wasn't very good at it and that I didn't like it. So I then, I remember having a conversation with my father about that time and he sat me down and he said, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do with a law degree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think this is what he had in mind when he said that, but... <laughs> But it served me well. Um, I ended up finding my way into the publishing world, and I've always had a passion for writing. That direction really allowed those gifts to kind of explode. I loved working. I worked for Thomson Reuters for a while in their statute department, so I would take laws from the courts uh, in Colorado and the legislature in Colorado and put them into books, and I loved it. I was such a book nerd and, and research geek that it was right up my alley and uh, it just a really good fit for my skill set at that time. But it also gave me a little bit of time to explore some creative writing classes. So I started taking a creative writing class and uh, really was able to build on a story idea that I'd had for a long time uh, that wove together a couple of my passions. So when I was younger, when I was a little girl, I was fascinated by ghosts. I was a kid at the camp's fire that could not get enough. It, and it wasn't that I was particularly brave. I just was really interested in knowing what those stories were. I was fascinated by the idea that a soul could get stuck here and not go to where it was supposed to go. I was raised Catholic with the idea of heaven and hell and purgatory. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just was wondering how that fit into the framework of all of that. And um, I just 
you you always when you hear a ghost story you're always it's always told from the perspective of how scary it is to have a ghost or to be in a haunted space and I always thought it would be equally scary scary to be the ghost <laughs> so I was always looking for that perspective uh, in the in the books that I was trying to read or find and just fascinated by that what was it like wouldn't it be scary if you were stuck somewhere and you're supposed to go somewhere and you're not and and why why did that happen so that really drove my creative spirit a little bit um, because I had gone on to law school and in law school I was surrounded by all of these really rational and logical people and you're like literally to think, yeah very so so you're trained to think logically and rationally and prove things with the facts in front of you mm -hmm. and so as I was exploring some more creative writing options I thought it would be fascinating to take a character who is trained to think logically and rationally like a lawyer or a law student and then give them something completely irrational and inexplicable to deal with like a ghost so I started writing stories and that my main character was a law student and going on through law school and ended up with a haunted apartment and became kind of a, a lawyer for the ghost, <laughs> so to speak. Mm -hmm. I wrote two books in that series and uh, not long after that, uh, we started a family. I had really little kids and my husband was able to accept an overseas international expat assignment for his job. So we packed up our kids and our life here and moved overseas to Belgium. So wow. uh, the cool thing about that is that kids there start school at two and a half. <laughs> that so, sounds nice. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I we moved our life over there. All of a sudden, both of my, I'd been a stay-at-home mom at that point. Both of my kids were in school full-time, and I was sitting there going, okay, I know I need to learn French, but what else should I do with my time here? And so I pulled out these dusty old manuscripts that I had started and uh, continued to explore some of my creative fiction ideas. So it was there that I was able to finish my first two books in that series, just because I had the time. So we, I was blogging regularly and just keeping track of our life there. Uh, our, our, a lot of our friends who were expats that were living there were blogging about their travels and things like that. And I really wanted to capture more of what it was really like to live there as an American and how mm -hmm. hard that was to leave your culture behind and adapt to a new one. So, I just would keep a blog every so often. And, and the cool part about all of that was that when we moved back to the United States, I actually went through kind of a depression, you know, having to leave all that culture behind. And we left friends and that had become family. So it was very heartbreaking to leave. But I had this really cool written history of our time there. And for nothing else than the sake of preserving that history for my own family, I was able to spend a good deal of time editing that blog into a book called um, My Adventures as an Expat in Belgium. And that's available out on Amazon. And it's it's kind of funny. It's this book that's sitting out there that kind of does its own thing. And I do mine. And <laughs> But it, I, I wrote it specifically just for my family to be able to have this history of what our life was like there. And um, But it also we lived through so much transition back and forth that I also thought at some point, maybe, maybe someone out there who's going through the same experience can find some comfort and advice in there somewhere. So mm -hmm. I wanted to keep it out there and available for other people to purchase if they wanted. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, so you, you have lots of experience in writing and you knew like that was, that's one of your gifts yeah. and you've all experience. Let's come back to you talking about, you had said like as a lawyer, you were feeling, you know, it was hard. It was hard to do that work because you were feeling their feels and you were empathizing yes, that. Like, I didn't know that that's what was happening. I just knew that I cried a lot and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> you know, I had always known I was intuitive, and I'd read books about intuition and trying to develop that. And but I never in a million years would call myself psychic. Um, but you know, through this journey, once we moved back from Belgium. So I met one of my very dear friends, Jessica Freeberg, 
in this process. She's also a writer. And when we moved back from Belgium, I was looking for a networking group. I was looking for a writer's group and just trying to rebuild my social connections again, starting from scratch. And I, I met Jessica Freeberg. She also writes paranormal mysteries and had been writing in the same book style that I write. And she had started a group called Ghost Stories, Inc., and it's a group of authors and illustrators. Most of us write for children or, or other, you know, just a wide range of audience. And she had started this group that would take people on paranormal investigations as a way to inspire their craft. So with the concept that if you're going to be writing about scary things, go put yourself in a scary situation and immerse yourself in the history of a space and feel what that feels like so you can better write about it and, and communicate it to your reader in a different level, in a different way. So we were, we were doing workshops and, and different things. And I realized, so one of the interesting things that happened in that is that we would spend a lot of time at the Palmer House. I know that you and Meredith talked about that the other day. The, the infamous Palmer House. <laughs> yeah, Palmer House. And one of the things that started to happen was that I was realizing I was seeing and sensing and feeling more than anybody else was in the room. And some of these gifts that I have in myself that I hadn't identified yet were starting to come forward. And I figured I'd I better figure out what I need to do about that. And about that time, I had a reading, my own psychic reading with someone else. And, and up to that point, I'd had one or two readings before, and they were always about my writing and always about how I needed to keep going and keep working on my books and my stories. And so I expected that that would be what the reading was about, but it wasn't at all. Instead, it was about how I'm psychic and how someday I would be doing this for other people. And I laughed out loud at her. I, I said, but wait, you know that I, I like to sit in creepy basements and write stories. <laughs> like, I could <laughs> never imagine a time or space where I would be out there talking about my gifts or teaching others about how to use and find their own gifts. And here I am. <laughs> here you are. So you said you felt that. Is that, is that how, is that your gift? Is that you feel things? So there's a couple of different gifts that all start to work together once you start. I, I believe that once you start enhancing or diving into your own gifts, the others kind of come along. So yes, at the time, that was my strongest gift was that ability to feel other people's emotions. And that's the empath. Um, and that psychic gift. So there's several different psychic gifts. Um, the first one is clairvoyance. That's the one everybody knows about. That's the gift of sight where you can see things. Um, that's seeing things with your naked eye, but it's also seeing things in your mind's eye. So it doesn't have to necessarily be the full body appar apparition that walks through the room. It can be closing your eyes and seeing and sensing different things. Um, you know, seeing that picture, that image in your head that's coming from somewhere else. Would that be and dreams too? Would be, would yes. you see them in dreams? Okay. Yes. So it's like that. It's like, um, one of the exercises I use is to close your eyes and imagine yourself walking into your own kitchen. And what does that look like? And you know what it looks like, but you start to focus in on the details. Is it messy? Is it, is it clean? Are the dishes done? And just the different things. And when you close your eyes and do that in a space that you've never been before, that's your clairvoyance work. That's actually how I started practicing. When I realized I had these gifts, I would pull up to a house that I'd never been before and I would sit outside and I would close my eyes and imagine myself walking in and I would, I would notice, you know, what were the details I was noticing? What were my guides trying to show me in that? Sometimes, and my guides often communicate things to me in my own frame of reference. So they'll show me things that are familiar to me. Um, for example, I was in a class and I was doing a reading with someone, a practice reading, and they kept, my guides were showing me my own apartment that I lived in several years ago. Hmm. So that I had to kind of work through the interpretation of it. And it turned out that, yes, she lived in an apartment building. She was on the second floor. It was a brick. You know, it was a lot of similarities to something that I recognized from my own life. So I always tell my clients in a reading, there's a little bit level of interpretation. So if I start asking questions, a lot of times it's me trying to filter through the information that's coming in and making sure that I'm not projecting my own 
my own ego and input into it um, and making sure that I'm filtering all that stuff out. Mm -hmm. When you say guides, can you explain that? Yes. So we all have, I believe we all have spirit guides who are with us. Uh, I also believe we have angels that walk alongside of us. Yeah. Guides is such a word that I think people all say it sometimes and people will double Double take a little like, what are you talking about? And I just love this, how you interpret it. I really like how you, how you talk about it. Yeah. So I believe that our guides are, we've got these helpers that have been assigned to us. Um, We don't always know that they're there. And that's the thing is you can't really get help from them if you're not asking them for help, but we can't ask them for help if we don't know they're there. So uh, that's something I always try to to let people in on is that you have these guides, you have these angels that are walking next to you. And, you know, our guides, we're, we're walking around in these human bodies in this dimensional world and we can see what's in front of us and we can see to the left or right of us, but we, and we know where we came from, but we can't always see too far in front of us. Our guides and angels have that chessboard perspective. So they can see the strategy for three or four steps ahead. And they're trying to bring people across our path or people into our lives. um, And they can understand that. And sometimes the bad stuff that happens to us is actually something that will cause somebody else to come in our life that we weren't expecting. So, you know, there's a, I truly believe there's a reason for everything. And, uh, we, but at the same time, we also have free will and free choice. So we're choosing what do we want? What, you know, by our choices that can also bring different things across our path as well. And like you said, quote unquote, bad things, like when they come (laughs) into our life is the idea that they are no matter what it is for our greater good. I mean, is, do you believe one of the things that I always one of the quotes that actually I just posted in my newsletter not that long ago is everything happens for us, not to us. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have all these, you know, everything that's happening at any given time, we have a choice of what to do from there and how do we proceed. So I think that could be a whole topic for a completely different. Yeah, let's do that's Let's do another episode on that because I'm into it. <laughs> really deep, really fast. Yeah, I think you and I can get deep really fast. Okay, so we've got clairvoyance, which you talked about, just the vision. Yes. So also, the second one is clairaudience. So that's the gift of hearing. So that can be hearing a disembodied voice calling your name from across the room. But it's also that- That sounds really scary. (laughs) That happens at the Palmer house every now and then. Yeah, it sure does. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, But it can also be- it just, we have that running dialogue that's happening in our head all of the time. I have that narration that, you know, you're walking down the street and, oh, you know, you, you do it when you're driving and you're swearing in your head at whatever car cut you off or, or what that, it's that running narration that's going on in your head. But I started to realize that sometimes that voice that's coming in in my own voice is actually giving me information that isn't resonating for me. So the best example I have of this um, is in the grocery store. So I don't go grocery shopping with a list. I often hear the things that I need in the grocery store. So that's actually one of the ways to practice this is try going grocery shopping without a list and, and listen to your guides, tell you what you need at the grocery store. And, um, I think I, I believe my grandmother's. So we, as we talk about guides, we can also have loved ones who passed Mm -hmm. away before us that can show up in and out anytime um, we need them or want them. And our, so my guides, my grand, I believe I have a grandma that goes shopping with me a lot. Um, one specifically, <laughs> one of my grandmas makes sure to tell me when something doesn't look good on me. <laughs> she was very fashionable. So I can hear her say sometimes try that on or try that on or no, don't buy that. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a gift. That's lovely. Can yeah, I- most of the time. <laughs> Um, so in the grocery store, I'll often hear things that I need. And when I realized I was actually getting in arguments with myself at the grocery stores, when I realized that my clear audience was working. Um, so I would hear things like you need almonds. And I would say, no, I don't. I bought almonds last week. And then I would hear again, no, you need almonds. And I would go back and forth or whatever. And whether I chose to buy the almonds or not, I would end up getting home and find out that somebody ate all the almonds that I thought I had for the salad I was going to make or whatever. Oh my gosh. 
So I've learned to start listening to that voice, even if it's really random. And it happens a lot at the grocery store. Sometimes I'll just hear that I need to buy something and I will have no idea. And then two weeks later, I'll need that very thing that I bought. It's just, it's strange. But part of that is the surrender and the trust and learning to trust that information that's coming in. That's what I was just going to say is that I think for so many of us, we would think that that's kind of crazy. I hate the using the word crazy, but that like, I'm going to ignore that, that voice in my head. And like the Capricorns of the world, like me, like- And I have Capricorn in (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding? I have my next two weeks of meals planned. Like no way. But that's really cool. I love that. Yeah. So then that gets us to a couple of the other gifts. Um, the clairsentience is actually that feeling, that gift of feeling and getting psychic information through feeling. And that's the empath. So that's feeling the emotions of others. It can also be actually feeling energy with your hands. Like the, the Reiki practitioners often talk about their hands buzzing or working. And a lot of people, there's people that have very psychic hands that can feel that clairsentient, that energy in a physical way, but it's also intuiting the emotions of others. So um, when, when this psychic told me that I was a clairsentient empath, like all of a sudden it was like all these puzzle pieces finally clicked into place. And I realized, you know, a lot of some of my own struggles at home were actually, I was empathing other family members' emotions Mm -hmm. and not even realizing it. So when you start to, when you know that that's happening, there's steps you can take to kind of protect against that. So I would have been a much better lawyer if I had used some of that psychic protection work early on and not had to be feeling everything all the time, not realizing it wasn't mine. Right, right. How many, how many Claire's are there? Is there okay, some- there's one more I want to okay. talk about. Okay, and that was Claire Cognizance. Yes. So Claire Cognizance is the, it's like the no, because I know. <laughs> I just know something because I know it. And I think this is the one I have, I think. Yeah. And it's information that resonates in your gut. It's the hardest for me to wrap my logical brain around. Uh, And it also makes me really hard to be married to because when I'm right, I know it and I'll argue to the death for it, but I don't always have the facts and, and proof to back it up. I just know because that's what I'm feeling is right. So um, it gets interesting for me. This also works in kind of a download. Um, when I started seeing souls that needed help and when I started getting, uh, when my gift really started working on, so I was putting all of these different things together and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing with it. You know, I think that's the answer. The question that a lot of us with these gifts are ask is I've got these things happening to me, but what am I supposed to do about it? And I think, you know, everyone's gifts are different. Um, it took me a long time to realize that just my gifts, my psychic gifts work differently than some of the teachers that I was learning from or other people that I was interacting with. So just because mine work different doesn't mean that it's wrong. You know, everybody's supposed to do different things with these gifts. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is supposed to take these gifts and go out and do readings for other people or, you know, help ghosts clear houses from help clear ghosts out of houses, haunted houses and things like that. So sometimes it's just, being able to tune into your own family members or your own children and getting them the help that they need or learning to listen to that gut feeling when you've got experts telling you one thing about your children and your gut is saying, no, I really think it's something else. And how far do you take that and and learning to trust that. So I think it's something that everyone can benefit from developing these intuitive gifts. They serve us, they can serve us really well, no matter what we're doing in our life. Do you think everyone has them? Yes. I believe we all have the ability, the extent and the level that we're supposed to develop them. I think that depends on the person. And of course we've got free will choice at every turn. So there are a lot of people out there choosing not to listen to that voice that tells them this, that, or the other thing. And that's what being human is all about is having that human experience and getting to choose one thing over the other. Mm-hmm. So. As you moved away from something like law, like that logical world into what you're talking about now, I mean, clearly like you had to be really rooted in your gifts, in your strength. Did you get any pushback from like people in your, in your world? Well, by then I had already detached from the legal community, but my legal brain and my logical brain really serves me well in the work that I'm doing 
it wasn't so much people were questioning me. It yeah. was, I was questioning myself. Yeah. And that's how, you know, I was questioning, am I making this up or am I, is this working for me? And my logical brain was really helpful with that. So, you know, the first time I ever had a soul show up and need help. So I, by the way, I wrote all of this in a book that's coming out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yay. Makes in sense. October um, called the spirits way home. So it's the story of how the soccer mom, skater mom, like me ended up doing the work that I'm doing. So I share a lot of this information in there as well, but, and in the book, one of the first stories I tell is about the very first soul that I helped find her way to heaven. And, um, that was, that was interesting. And it was this whole back and forth in my own head of, is this really happening or is this really something, you know, or am I making this up? And, this was a woman named, um, named Megan and she had passed away in, I knew her from high school and I didn't know her as an adult. I just knew her from my high school class. And there was a post on Facebook instructing her to rest in peace. And I was so surprised. Uh, uh, my really dear friend is, was good friends with her as an adult. And she hadn't told me any of this. She hadn't told, I knew that this person had been sick, but I didn't know that death was imminent or anything like that. So when I saw the Facebook post, I was just really surprised. Like, how come you didn't tell me? And I had reached out to her and I just asked her the story and she'd been sick and her friends were trying to protect her privacy. And, and it made it, I, I understood it better. So then the middle of the night, a few days later, I woke up and Megan was there in my space. She mm -hmm. it wasn't like she was standing in my room. It was, she was in my third eye. So I was seeing her and she showed up and she said, I need you to F and tell me everything you F and know about F and heaven. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, waking up in the middle of the night and there's this voice in your head swearing at you. And I, you know, didn't talk out loud because my husband was sleeping next to me. So I wasn't like I was trying to process what is happening and you're in that in-between state where you're not fully awake and you're just trying to, trying to figure this out. And so I had this, what I thought was an imaginary conversation in my head saying, well, heaven is a loving, forgiving place. And then I hear her say back, I don't effing believe you and whatever. We went back and forth for a minute. And then I got this download of information and that's the best way to describe it. And mm -hmm it was my clear cognizance kicking in. And the way it happens for me is I'll just get a download of information about the whole story all at once. So it's not like I see a movie play out. It's not like I'm hearing a voice tell me in my head. It's just a whole, it's like someone sticks a flash drive in me and I get the whole story all at once. So I got the story of why she didn't want to go. And it caused me to change my answer a little bit and add, you know, that you don't, you don't have to see anybody in heaven that you don't want to see. Okay. So that's, so you experienced, you, this was like at what point in your journey as a psychic medium? When did that happen? Well, this was the very first time that something came to me or someone came to me and needed help to get to where she was supposed to go. So the next day with this, so she was swearing in my ear the whole time. And then, and then she left, you know, I said all the things that I needed to say about what I understood heaven to be. And then she was gone. And so I spent the next hour trying to process everything that had just happened in my head thinking, you know, this is crazy. This is what just happened. And I eventually talked myself into going to sleep because I, I convinced myself that I had made it up. You know, she, by the time I fell back asleep, I had convinced myself that my creative brain had made this up because I had seen her Facebook post and, and so, but the next day I did go ahead and call my friend Sally. And the one question I asked her was, did Megan swear a lot? And she said, yes, every other word out of her mouth was the F-bomb. So <laughs> at that point I realized, I started to realize that I hadn't necessarily made this up, but I also didn't think that I had helped her in any way. And I, you know, but I, I wrote it off as I did the best I could. And then a couple of days go by and my daughter, uh, my very spicy child, my youngest was throwing a huge temper tantrum about some doing homework or something crazy. And I put myself in timeout. She was 
flailing away in the kitchen and I went out to the back step and I sat there and I just was trying to breathe and calm myself down so that um, I wouldn't unload a pile of ick on my daughter inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And in that space, all of a sudden Megan was there again and she she said the same thing. She says, I, I I don't, I still don't know if I believe you about heaven. Um, but my F and you know, all these things, like I, I'm, I'm ready to go, but I'm also not sure if I believe you was basically the gist of what she said. And in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, really right now, like you want to talk about this right now when I've got this temper tantrum raging inside and I'm sitting out here on the back step. But in the same moment, I also realized that there's no way I could have been making it up because all of my energy and attention was on the tantrum in the house, not on what was happening out there. You know, she was the first, furthest thing from my mind. I'd already written it off. Like I'd already written the whole experience off and then she showed up again. So we had a mutual friend from high school that had passed away. And I just in that moment got this idea that if I called him in and I, I felt him around a lot um, in, in our life, he was, he was my husband's best friend in high school. And so I often feel him around like our, our middle kid, especially I feel sometimes like he stands underneath the tree <laughs> when my kid is climbing a tree and just to keep an eye on things. Mm. And so I, I, I had this thought that if I called him in, he'd be able to tell her and she'd believe him because he'd been there. So um, he showed up without an instant and the two, she didn't even say anything. The two of them just walked off together. And that's also how I knew I wasn't making this up because my writer brain would have embellished it a lot more than that. Um, If I'd been making this up, if I'd been writing this as my own story that I was sharing, the angels would have been singing and the heavens would have been black, you know, the lights would have been shining. And instead they just really walked off together and I don't even know where they went. So, um, so it was that moment where I realized, okay, this is what my gift is. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with it to this day now, if those sorts of souls come across my path, I know that it's for a reason and that I have the ability to help them. Mm -hmm. So clearly you've taken time to cultivate these gifts. You've done the work, you've done the research. I mean, do you think that we, I mean, me, the collective, the listeners, people that are, are getting excited about this idea or that are new to it, they can, they can grow their gifts. They can find their gifts. Like, how do we do that? Absolutely. I think just for me and my own journey, my guides were really good at showing me the right books to read. So I loved walking into half price books and I would just feel certain books call my name kind of, or different topics would kind of jump out at me off the shelf. And so I let them choose what I was supposed to be learning about. And I always tell my clients to follow the motivation. Like if you're motivated to take a Reiki class, then absolutely you should go do that. Our guides work through our motivation as well. So if you feel like you need to read a book, read that book. If you feel like you need to take a class, take that class. Um, You know, and and it's a work in progress. I will never stop. I will still continue to take classes. I will still continue to keep working on my gifts. I think that it's not, it's, it's not like you reach, it's not like a law degree. You don't just get that piece of paper and have it be done. Um, this is a lifelong process. And I think everything is constantly evolving and changing. So the second I stop learning about my own gifts is the second I should probably retire. <laughs> Do you, Meredith had given the example of like seeing, um, like she'll have cars drive by while yeah. she's on a walk and she'll like try to understand, I don't know what other word to say, what color it is. Do you, are there other examples, like really specific things that you like to do? So one of the things that I used to do for my claircognizance gift to develop that a little bit further, and that's that gut feeling, that intuitive gut feeling. Um, there was, I used to, when I was working in publishing, I would drive home the same way every day and I would get off on the exit at Randolph and 35E and there was always the same, not, well, not always, you know, 75% of the time there would be a homeless man standing there. Uh, and it was always the same homeless man, uh, with the sign. And so I would try to guess would he be there or not? And I would realize, I would try to tune into where the information was coming from and it would come from my gut. So one day I decided to test it even further and I actually went through a drive-through 
and I bought I bought a couple of tacos or a so and a soda. And the whole idea was just this is for the the homeless man that's standing on the corner. I think he's going to be there today, so I'm going to take this one step further and buy him lunch. So I bought him lunch, and sure enough, he was standing there. And I figured, you know, the worst thing that happens is I get a couple of tacos for a snack. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's how I would start to test it. So just every little day things, like even driving into a parking lot, what row should I go down? There was one day um, that I realized that my gifts are usually working so inherently that I don't even know that I'm using psychic gifts or my psychic information. And I was on my way out to a haunted property. We were doing an investigation with Ghost Stories Inc. And um, it was out in the middle of Stillwater, out in the middle of nowhere. This was one of the first times I'd ever gone on a ghost hunt. We had gone on one the night before. My guides were trying to get me to really make sure that I was listening to them. So I was driving out there following all these country roads and normally I can just feel what way to turn or not get too lost and I was not getting anything and it was the first time I realized I was not getting a pull to turn left or a pull to turn right I was completely lost I ended up in the middle of nowhere and I stopped the car and turned on my GPS and I was kind of like what the heck what why why is this different now and it was actually a very poignant moment for my guides. They were trying to say, they were, they were teaching me a lesson and they were saying, you know, this is what it feels like not to have our guidance. This is, you get lost. <laughs> this is what it feels like to not have that happening. So we need you, if you're going to be going into these haunted houses, we need you to always trust your gut, always listen to us. And if we ever tell you that you shouldn't go into a place, you need to listen to us. And so we had this like whole <laughs> arrangement. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then everything clicked back on again. So it was almost like they had to turn everything off for a minute to teach me what it was like to not have that guidance for me to realize, okay, I really need to listen to them. Those spirit guides, they're just so smart. <laughs> yes. And they'll validate things for us if we need it. So I, you know, ask for signs from them. Some of the really common signs from our spirit guides are heart shapes, or I always say that there's two levels to a sign. Number one, it has to be there. And number two, our attention has to be drawn to it. Mm, yeah. You know? And because it's super easy to write those signs off as a coincidence. Um, right. you know, like you walk outside and you look up and you happen to see a heart shaped cloud in the sky and it's super easy for your logical brain to kick on and say, Oh, the clouds make all sorts of shapes. Of course, there's going to be a heart shaped cloud here and there somewhere. But I always say, stop and think for a minute. How many times did you walk outside that day? And never once did you look up at the clouds. And the one time that you did look up at the clouds, it was in a perfect shape of a heart. Right. So, and our guides can be really funny too and have a sense of humor. One day I was cleaning up the, my, one of my kids spilled milk all over the kitchen and I was cleaning it up, cleaning it up. And I was a little irritated that I was cleaning up this milk and I thought I had it all cleaned up, but then I picked up a plate. And when I picked up the plate, it left a perfect heart shape of spilled milk uh, underneath the plate. So it made me stop for a minute and think, Oh, this is funny. So, you know, our guides can be funny with that too. Um, another common sign from our angels is the little white feathers that you find or fe different feathers that you find. Um, and one day I was having a really rough day and it felt like there was something poking me in my bra. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? And I pulled it out and sure enough, it was a little white feather. It's like, and that made me laugh. Like, okay. That's, I love the idea of like, like the playful spirit guide, like this person yeah. or not person, this, this being that is just there for you when, when you need a moment of, of respite, when you need a smile. I, I haven't told you this, my, my, one of my spirit guides name is Tony and I, I've dreamt about him a number of times. Yeah. And like every time I try to get like really deep and do some work around just parent, like parenting, I think is heavy mental work <laughs> for me anyways. He sort of is like, calm down. You're just, you're doing a good job. Like just, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> that cheerleader, that cheerleader on the other side. Um, so when I started to, I always knew I had a spirit guide and 
And whenever I'd had a reading, he would show up with a clipboard and a whole list of things that we needed to talk about. So he's very organized, very oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. But I, so I started to do some of my own meditation work a few years ago about tuning into who he was and what did he do and who was he for me. And, and I started to get, you know, it was that clear cognizance gifts where I would get these downloads of information and <laughs> my spirit guide used to be in protective services for the Italian mafia. Oh, <laughs> casual. <laughs> yeah. And every time I hear that, every time I say that to anybody, I hear him yell really loudly in my head, but I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> So he was in, okay. So he was in the mafia and, and he was protected. Protective services. So it makes sense that I would have a guide who's super protective now doing the work that I'm doing and going into doing some of this heavy duty clearing work that I do in some of the most notoriously haunted properties in Minnesota. How did you find that out about that spirit guide? You know, actually I, so there's a lot of different ways to meditate and some of my best guidance comes from more of a moving meditation mm. and I am so missing it now because of COVID, but I normally try to incorporate swimming laps into my weekly schedule in some mm. way, shape or form. So I would swim once or twice a week. I'm a runner too, but, uh, I found I grew up swimming and I was a swimmer all through college. So I found that if I started swimming when I was running, I wasn't getting hurt running so much. So I, um, it also had the extra meditative time for me too. So I try to swim once a week when we're not on, when everything's not closed, when the pools aren't closed, but I had been swimming and I set the intention when I got in the pool that day, like, I really want to get to know my spirit guy better. And so I, I let my mind wander when I'm swimming laps or or it's another reason I like to run on a track because I don't have to worry about getting lost or getting hit by a car. I'll just go run in a circle. And it's a way for me to have my body busy doing something, but my mind can be free and wander. And so I always try to set an intention whenever I'm doing that. And um, that day I had set the intention. I really want to get to know my spirit guy better. And I started to get all this information then when I was swimming. And it was like information that I kind of went, what? Are you kidding me? How? <laughs> Where did this come from? So I think I'm in that stage right now. I'm in that stage of like, I'm paying so close attention. Like yeah. you and Meredith helped really shine a light on just, I guess the power that, that we all hold, but that like, I'm really tapping into. And now like everything I'm like, Oh, that's a sign. I'm feeling this. I'm like over the top yeah. about it. I don't know. Is that okay? Is that real? Yeah, or is that no, like... That's what happens. It's like you open <laughs> the floodgates and it all starts coming in. Like it's easy to get a little overwhelmed by it or to think, you know, man, am I making this up? And right. These are, I love this. Cause I think that again, we just, we write stuff off. We write stuff off so fast, so fast. and we live in this very magical world that we choose to dim down a little. And especially right now, I think we're all looking for a little guidance or looking for some, I don't know, just signs and validation there. that we're on the right path. And yeah. I think that, you know, if you open your eyes to that, if you're, if you're tuning into your gifts and you're starting to look for signs, they'll be there. Uh, we just have to believe it and get out of our own heads for a minute. <laughs> get out of our own way. I agree. Before you go, will you just tell the listeners about your books, um, the names of, or maybe like the one that's coming up um, and then where else they can find you too? My book that's coming out this fall is actually a book that I wrote. It was just my story. Um, I wanted to write the stories of some of the souls that I've helped because that's really what motivated me to start doing this work in the first place was to share their stories. Why do these souls choose to stay behind? Why do they get stuck? And I wanted to tell a ghost story in a very different way than they've been told before, uh, more as a way to honor their, their story and their experience of getting stuck in this world and, and how they managed to get, you know, move on to the next. Uh, it's also a little bit of my story in how did this soccer mom who used to be a lawyer start doing the work that I'm doing. So it, these stories are a way to tell the progression of my journey and some of my gifts and how I started using them. And that is available. It's coming out through Llewellyn worldwide. It's available now on Amazon and at the publisher's website, Llewellyn. Uh, Barnes and Noble also has it and anywhere you can find books. I'm sure they're working to get it there. 
That'll be out in October, but it's available for pre-order now. And my website is nataliefowler.com. And you can also, I put all the links to order it on there as well. And you can read more about some of the services I offer as a psychic. And uh, I've got a link to Meredith's information there as well, because we do do the joint readings together. And I'm sure she shared that story. That was funny. Um, We accidentally discovered that we work really well together. Uh, one night at a happy hour. I don't know we if were, she did say this story. I okay. so, <laughs> we were out at a bar one night with some other friends. And as often happens with Meredith, she people will come up to her on the street and ask her, what's going on in my chart? Or can you look at my chart? Or can you tell me what this is, this is in my chart? And she pulled up the chart. And as she started talking, my claircognizant gift clicked on. And it's like, I started to get downloads of information about some of the specific details that that meant for this person. And so we looked at each other and we thought, this is really crazy. And this is really cool. My gift works better. I, my psychic gifts work better with the starting point. And with Meredith and the birth chart, I have all the starting points. So it's really fun to work with her and our any reading with her develops really organically and they're all different um, based on whatever the client needs uh, to learn about. And so now actually we, our business cards even read a psychic and an astrologer walked into a bar. (laughs) (laughs) I can't recommend that joint pairing enough. I like, I'll give an example of where this is what you guys had told me that just made so much sense. So we were working through um, my Aquarius second daughter Rory through her through her chart, knowing she's an individualist. She's she can be a little bit challenging to parent. And I I just asked you guys both. I said, well, how do how do I parent an Aquarius? And you you had such a good answer. You give them choices. You give them this or this. So like while Meredith may not see that in my chart she can see this little independent feisty two-year-old. You can see the details. It it was so cool. I loved that. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Amazing. Well, thanks for being on the show, Natalie. I I appreciate it so much. And I feel like our paths cross for a reason. And now I'm, I'm sure that hopefully let's, let's come back and talk. We have so many things, ghost stories, religion, like more (laughs) angels. There's just so many things we can go down. (laughs) There's a lot there. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for listening to Yoga Magic. We'll be back next Thursday with an all-new episode. Hit subscribe, leave a rating and a review, and follow along on Instagram at ashleysondergaard.yoga or at Yoga Magic Podcast. See you next week.